everyone, Joy here. Today we have a very special guest. His name is David. He lives in the UK and he is a resilience coach. He also helps digital nomads and freelancers to be more organized with the time. Is that correct, David? How are you doing? Hello. Hey, nice to be here. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Um, I find that time is your most, it's your scarcest asset. So how you use it is, is no joke. And when you, when you, when you work as a digital nomad or when you're a freelancer and do your own thing, uh, the days are just passing by real quick. So yes. I help people be a bit more strategic with that. That is awesome. And I love that you do that. And we're definitely going to dive into that a little bit later in this interview because I have some questions for you on that. Hi there, my name is Joy Nicholson. I'm an entrepreneur, digital marketer, coach, and mentor. I've been diving in deep for the last year to discover what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur. Not just the fluff that you see on the outside when you see people that are already successful, but what it takes behind the scenes to become successful. What I have discovered was mind-blowing. Millionaires think differently. They have unique habits, focus, discipline, and so much more. Follow along on this podcast where I'll be sharing my journey, the journey of other entrepreneurs, what makes them successful, but most importantly, how it can help you to become successful. All right, so... Um, for the last how many, many years, you know, how long have you been an entrepreneur? Can you tell people a little bit about you? Who is David and where does David come from and what does David do? Okay, so I started my entrepreneurial journey about 10 years ago. Um, I tried to jump on the bandwagon of this sort of traditional startup life story. Everybody was pretty going, basically everybody was going pretty crazy about Facebook and the social network movie and everyone. So when I was a, uh, when I was in university, everybody wanted to be a startup entrepreneur. So what did I do? I dropped out of university and started my own tech startup. Um, that was basically uh, the majority of my days for the next five years. We moved around in Europe. We raised some venture capital. We actually signed some pretty interesting clients from the corporate world. We were running a Facebook advertising company. Um, the one thing that was really, really hard for me is to be very strategic with my own. When things started to pile up after five years, I burnt out and uh, that burnout also led to the demise of my company. And we actually ended up filing for bankruptcy. Oh, wow. Um, what was, yeah. So what was even more striking is that um, I got a, I, I got, I, I was completely on the floor. So business in, in pieces, the team just scattered across the world and, uh, we had, it was a pretty damaging time for our relationships. And uh, I ended up realizing that I lost all my friends. I lost all my hobbies. I suffered from a nervous breakdown. It took me some, uh, quite some time to get back on track. So uh, the next time I went into doing business, actually the first couple of months, I was like, no, I'm just going to get a nine to five job. I'm just going to take it easy. Like, you know what? I'm not going to do another business again. Um, six months later, I was running my second business. Yeah. But this time I was, I was taking things completely differently. It was a consulting business in the technology space and uh, we actually managed to put together a great team. We managed to 
uh, blow it up within the first six months. We we uh, made seven figures. We we grew a team of forty seven people. Uh, so it was a completely different experience. That's yeah. when I started traveling around the world and just uh, just did a bunch of things. Um, and right after about that time, this guy comes to me uh, in my hometown saying, "Hey, David, I heard your story. I love what you're doing. Uh, I want to learn from you." I'm like, dude. I'm like 27. What do you want to learn from me? Uh, but he was he was pretty adamant on this. So we became friends, and I started mentoring him. And uh, he was always telling everybody how I taught how I taught him how to be productive and how to be very strategic with his entrepreneurial journey. And now he runs a multi six figure marketing agency. Wow. So uh, yeah, so that's when I started realizing oh, wow, I really enjoy this kind of mentoring thing. And that's how I got as coach. That's awesome. So tell me something. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Or was this just, like I said, you started in uni. Did you think before that that you'll actually have your own business? Or did that never occur to you? Um, that's a good question. I think it was more on the, what are the things that I cannot do? Mm. rather than or what are the things that I do not want to do and uh, I've always had a problem with authority I've always had a problem with people and systems that restrict my freedom um, I I have learned along the way that that is basically called being unemployable um, <laughs> but no actually it just kind of happened that I was always interested in not just in making money but in building your own thing so like I had three very transformational experiences that kind of pushed me towards becoming an entrepreneur. The first experience is that um, when I was 13, for some reason, and I don't, I don't exactly remember how it unfolded, but that was my first small or micro business yeah. that my mother got really, really into dates, the, uh, the small fruit. Okay. And I, I took the seeds out of the trash and planted them. And I grew these date plants, which were like these pretty exotic, amazing little, little stuff. And now imagine a 13-year-old kid running around in school, trying to sell small exotic date plants to, to his teachers. Uh, now that was me. <laughs> and yeah, and the, so the good thing is that because uh, I grew up in rural Hungary, uh, Hungary is like in the middle of Europe. We have very cold winters, mm. very uh, hot summers, and the summers are pr usually pretty dry. That's not a good climate for date plants, which means that I had recurring customers coming back after every six weeks because their plants were dying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how I that's how I learned the beneficial. That's how I learned learned the benefits of a subscription yeah. model. Uh, <laughs> Uh, then the second transformational experience I've had was when I was 16. Uh, I was just wandering around on the internet. It's, uh, what was it, about 15 years ago. And I found this guy on the internet who said he was selling perfumes from a Polish manufacturer. And I didn't know anything about perfumes and I didn't know anything about selling stuff online. But I saw that the guy was living his best life. I'm like, is this really possible? Like, can you actually sell stuff online? So I got really into that and I also started selling perfumes. Uh, I signed up with a company uh, that was doing that and then 
I just started selling perfumes to almost to the same people that were buying date plants from me three years before. Um, That's so funny. And when, when I had these two experiences, these were my two sort of like child stabs at entrepreneurship. And then uh, like you have to, you have to understand that in rural Hungary, like you cannot just meet with successful entrepreneurs. It's, it's probably one of the poorest region in the country. There are no motorways that are taking you down to the countryside. So yeah. uh, there was a lot of limiting beliefs throwing around in that region. Um, and when I, when I was 20, mm-hmm. uh, I started as part of my university studies, I started to look for an internship and there was this company that was taking on, uh, what they called gifted students. And mm-hmm. they were, they were looking for internship positions for them. So I went into an application interview. We had a two hour interview process with the lady that was running the program. And then after two hours, she said, look, David, there is not a single person in this country that I couldn't find a position for, but you are the first one. Because the problem is that you will never be able to find a job where your boss wouldn't be terrified of you taking his job one day. I'm like, what are you talking about? So and that's when she told me that the problem with me is that I can probably never stay loyal and committed to something long-term if I didn't build it, if I didn't have my blood, sweat, and tears in it. And that is why she recommended that actually I start thinking about doing my own business. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that. But then a year later, I did start my new business, my first business. So that's, (laughs) that's kind of the story. I love it. That is so, so cool. Okay. So obviously with, we were talking about limiting beliefs now, my podcast audience, most of them is people that want to start an online business, but they, they skeet, you know, they struggle or they have a business, yeah. but they are struggling because of, you know, most of it is really, it's, it's mindset. Now, I mean, you coming from a poor country, um, I'm sure you had a lot of issues while doing your businesses, even at 13 and 16 years old. Did you get a lot yeah. of um, flack from your family and your friends and saying, this is not going to work? And why do you do that? Did you get a lot of people hassling you and saying, this is not going to work for you ever or... You know, people basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember one of my friends in high school when I started selling perfumes. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the moment he, he realized that I was doing that, he was only referring to me as the businessman. And it was, it was not, not a compliment. It, it was not a compliment. It yeah. was meant to be, it was meant to be a joke. Um, when I was at university, I was in a, what's called a special studies college. And uh, that was kind of in conjunction with, with my university studies. And in that special studies college, we had people who were completely uh, signed up to the belief that they are the leaders of tomorrow. They are the business leaders of tomorrow. And yet all we were doing is we were sitting around in circles on chairs and we were debating philosophical topics. So the moment they realized that I actually ended up launching my own business, like everybody turned their backs on me. Wow. And, uh, and I was actually like, like I was literally cast out from that group of people because uh, now everybody was, everybody was afraid that I would start pushing my own agenda on them and I would start, start like hard selling everything I, I, I did. Um, and that also came back when I went to my first high school reunion 
five years after graduation. By the time I was, I was doing pretty well for myself. I was still running my tech startup, and, but we were doing well. Yeah. And it was just about three months before I moved out of Hungary and moved to London. So everybody stood up in the classroom. We actually had almost like the full, full class. Everybody stood up and started telling their life story. And I was the last one to speak because of where I, where I sat. Yeah. And then I stood up and I started talking about my, my experience and my journey. And after the third sentence, one of the girls interrupted me saying, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are you going to sell us today, David? Oh, my word. That's so rude. Yeah. So the thing is that you do meet a lot of toxic experiences, but those are not necessarily like those people are not talking to you. Mm. Those people are talking to their own beliefs, to their own fears. Right. So it took me years to realize that. But the point is, if there is a person that is making a joke about me running my own business, I mean, look, there is a 95 chance that it's going to fail. So the, 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 least about, the least that we can do about it is that we joke about it. Yes. Um, that's, just, that's just the way it is. Yes. But that 5%, it's worth every penny in the world. Exactly. I agree with you. And also what I've realized is the people that normally are horrible towards entrepreneurs are normally the people that are miserable in their own jobs and their own lives. And they are, I think, secretly jealous for, you know, not having what you have. That's what I found personally, at least. Exactly. Um, so I have a question for you. So now you've, you've, you know, by the sounds of it, you've been, you know, very successful. You've had a few multiple companies. Uh, what has been your greatest achievement so far? It sounds like you had a lot, but like it doesn't need to be a business one. It can mm. be or whatever. What has been your greatest achievement in the last five years? That's actually not an easy question to answer. Yeah. And my internet connection is a bit unstable. Um, that's all right. <laughs> so that's actually not, a, not an easy question to answer. I honestly think that my greatest achievement was to get back up on my feet after my burnout. The, the, the big thing is that when you launch, like your first business is going to be completely different than the second or the third or the fourth, because your first business is you. The first business that you launch, you're going to identify with it. There is no way around it. You're going to actually think that the, extent, that the business is an extension of you, which means that the failure or success of your business is going to actually be a matter of life and death for you. Yeah. And, you know, I could go into talking about like big, like I could, I could throw big words at you about how it all, how it all matters in your mindset and whatever. The yeah. point is, I mean, I cannot tell you anything that will change that. Mm -hmm. I went through that. My business was me. I literally woke up and went to bed with it. And every, every night I woke up and mm -hmm. I felt like if this business is going to fail, I'm going to die. And, and I know for a fact that that's also true for a lot of people out there. There is this thing called the founder's blues which affects 72% of entrepreneurs. And that's basically just a fancy word for anxiety. Yeah. So like seven out of 10, seven out of 10 business owners have to have to combat that anxiety. And when it's your first, that's when you feel like I have one shot, mm. right? That feeling that you have one shot 
is what's going to actually end up crippling you if you don't figure out how to cope with it. Mm. And I didn't, so I broke down completely. And I didn't believe that I could, I could do another sales call in my life. I started looking for doing, doing something else. I started, I, I started focusing on just designing software products for a long time. And, and avoid business development, avoid sales calls, avoid entrepreneurship at all costs. Um, it, it did take me, basically when, I, when my business uh, failed, I took all my, all my savings that I had and I put it into therapy because I needed to get back up on my feet. And only after six months, I could, I could actually find myself again. Yeah. But once you start doing your second or third or fourth business, mm-hmm. it's be, it becomes easier to like detach yourself from it yes right because that's when you start realizing that's when you start realizing that you know businesses grow businesses fail chances are that it's going to fail but the learning is invaluable that's the thing because you learn from your mistakes and you know the next time not to do it i mean i was on this is like my business number 12 for now you know so i've been doing this for many years and not i won't say everything else failed but it was either just i realized i didn't want to do this and it's not who i want to be or you know who i want to serve yeah there's always different ways about this and it's so sad when people give up and they don't get up so i'm very happy that you got back yeah i have i have this notion that so i mean there is a reason why i call myself a resilience coach and not a productivity coach mm-hmm. and i always have this notion that uh, when you think about stuff like how do i achieve my goals and and am i being productive that's a very narrow-minded way of thinking because that also creates this fatalistic word view of i'm either achieving my goals or i'm not Right. That's that's, again, the same thing as it happens when you identify with your business. But the point is, the point is that if you embark on this journey of running your own business, Mm -hmm. you're going to like you're going to live a life of failures with a few successes in between. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the sooner you can get yourself familiar with with failure the sooner get, you can actually turn your mind around how do I manage that, the, the better, like the faster you can actually start, get, start seeing results. Yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree with you. Um, when I did the IFA challenge, you know what IFA, I'm sure. Uh, the very first thing I learned when I did it, which was like when it just basically started, was like you need to fail to succeed. If you're not going to fail, you're not going to yeah. succeed. It is exactly yeah. that. Okay, so what, what is the thing that you think makes you successful? Okay. Um, I do believe that there is a statement in the question that I would probably like to challenge. Um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, I don't, I don't see myself as being successful. I don't think that like success is a very fatalistic expression. It, you either make it or not. Yeah. Uh, right. So yeah. I do not believe that I'm successful. I dabble. Um, I always, I always do my best, but again, like 90% of businesses fail. Mm. There is a lot of failure that we just discussed. Mm -hmm. So that implies like through inference, Mm -hmm. you can, you can make the conclusion that there is, there are a lot of forces out there that are outside of control. Yeah. So because of that, if I am successful by any measure, 
like chances are that the big portion of that is actually uh like it's it's not me it's just it happened and if i fail then the best thing i can do is just to learn from it but when i think about success i think about work-life balance like mm -hmm. do i do i wake up in the night worrying about money or do i do i have good relationships with the people i love and you know does that happen at one million dollar a year ten million dollars a year or a hundred grand or 50 grand a year mm -hmm. that's almost like if you can have great relationships with your with the people around in your life um if you're happy mm -hmm. if you're satisfied if you don't have to worry about what you eat and where you live like does it matter how much money you're making mm -hmm. And that's, I completely agree with you because um, we're not very status driven people, me and my husband as well. Um, you know, we, we would rather go camping than to go on expensive holidays. It's just because it's just our roots, I guess. And um, so I completely agree with you. Just the fact that you don't have to stress about money or stress about, you know, the next thing that alone, I think is successful considering there's so many thousands of people that do have this problem every day because they live yeah. paycheck, you know, and and not so long ago, I was one of those people. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a learned behavior. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And that's the thing. It's just once you get out of that, it's, it's refreshing. If I can put it like that. Okay. So now I've got another question for you. So now you, when you were 27, you mentioned earlier that uh, a friend approached you and you got, you helped him with time management, et cetera. So how has that now gone into because now you obviously teach a lot of people you know about time management and you help digital nomads and freelancers how to manage your time a lot better so how does that fit in with what you're doing is that the only thing that you're doing are you doing it on the side how does this work with what you're doing and you know how do you manage your time mm, okay so when it happened it was most more like a an altruistic thing for me like the guy was literally harassing me and i like i was like dude don't learn from me the thing that i can teach to you is probably not really valuable for you <laughs> um no actually he literally came to me i i did try to to launch an agency back in 2012 and uh and in hungary in budapest but that was just a short episode before we got into uh, building a tech company because I realized soft, I liked software a lot better. So I was like, dude, the only thing that I had to do with agencies was that. So, and I didn't actually be, end up building the agency. Yeah. So what do you want to learn from me? Right. After a couple of months of just, uh, meeting up for coffee. Um, so what happened is that he came out to London and, uh, he visited me and uh he was very adamant that he wanted some mentoring and he also said that he's actually moving to london now because he wants to build his business and he wants to be able to focus okay so then i was like he was a competitive bodybuilder uh so and i i was having challenges with creating a proper like uh health regime that would allow me to to get into shape so i was like you know what let's cut a deal you move into my place for a month, you train me every day, you cook my food, you wake me up, you send me to bed and you take the beer out of my hand. <laughs> and in, in, re in return, I'm going to mentor and coach you. And that's how it all started. I did a 30 day body transformation program. And in the meantime, he launched his business. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty wicked deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but I was still running my tech consulting business at the time, which I was actually still running for up until very recently. Mm -hmm. um, and I also did a few like product development uh, gigs for a number of other companies mm -hmm. because I did design. I did design a number of software products in the last 10 years. And that's something that I actually enjoy and I'm good at. So yeah. that was kind of what I was doing. I was working for about three, four companies at the time um, as a consultant or an advisor, but not until the, so the, 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 the thing that happened is that after a while, this guy's brother approached me and then his friend approached me as well. And then they started to talk about the work that I was doing with them to other entrepreneurs as well. Oh, wow. And then all, all of a sudden, like, a, it's not, it wasn't the big group of people, but a small group of people was circling around me. And sometimes I got phone calls and said, Hey, Hey, David, I'm a bit um, anxious. Like I can't sleep. Like, what can I do? And because, you know, the work I do now is not just about time management. It's mostly about helping you get rid of that performance anxiety, that fear of whether or not I'm going to mm. be doing or be achieving what I want to achieve. Yes. Um, which is the number one cause of, of uh, a lack of productivity. Yes. So, so after that, when this whole pandemic started and some of my contracts were ended in my consulting life, what I ended up doing is I, I just sat down and I was like, you know what? I think that I would really love to do this. Like, I, I'm really passionate about coaching. I have always been, but I never done it as a full-time thing. So about two months ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to go all in. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I did. Yes. That's awesome though. That is so, so cool because you've got enough experience and knowledge to help somebody. So why not? You know, that is, that is really, really cool. What made you choose your niche? Um, one is that as I think you've already seen my burnout experience was one of the most transformative things in my life mm -hmm. and burnout as a thing it's not an event it's a process yeah. it has five stages that go from the honeymoon stage to the onset of stress chronic stress burnout and then when it becomes habitual so problems happen and problems start to happen when people just go on from the honeymoon stage into the onset of stress stage when they, they just start feeling like there are good days and there are bad days. I'm still motivated. I still love what I do. Yeah. But they are past that denial stage. They already understand that just loving what I do is probably not enough. Mm. Just having a morning routine is probably not enough. Mm. So and that's the, that's when they start feeling that uh, that sense of you know I'm a bit confused. I don't know what to do in order to keep going. I want to get back to that first stage when everything was everything was pink. Yes. Um, so if I had someone like I was working with coaches, but I wasn't working with a coach that was specifically addressing that. Okay. If I had someone when I was at that second or third stage. Who would, who would have sat down with me and said, okay, David, let's take a piece of pen and paper and mm -hmm. start crafting your vision. And then we're going to build an algorithm for you to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not just goal setting. It's about how do you, how do you silence 
that in, internal monologue that is creating that anxiety and how do you create a coping strategy that pushes you back to stage one yes so i didn't have that but if i had uh, i i would i would have probably already sold that tech company by now and it 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 wouldn't have died so that and the second thing is that one of the first things that went out the window when i was uh, running my own business Mm -hmm. uh, my first business was my work-life balance. So I was pulling 16, 18 hour work days. I was working on, on, the, on a train, in the car, in a coffee shop, in the garden, every, everywhere. Wow. Um, and so I was, look, I was starting to look around and saw these guys that were coming to me for advice. And I was like, what are these guys doing? They were pulling 16, 18 hour work days. They were working in coffee shops, in their cars, on their trains. So they were doing the exact same thing that I was doing. So I knew where it was leading them, mm. right? So I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go out in the world. I'm going to find all the people that have a work structure where they're not working from an office, mm -hmm. right? So they're working remotely and they're also not working with employees. They're, they might be working with a bunch of freelancers, a bunch of contractors, but they're not actually working in like in a classic office setting. Yeah. And, and find out of all those people, find those that are actually in between those stages two and three. And then I'm going to help them to, to avoid the things that I couldn't avoid. Wow. That's actually a really unique way to get into a niche. Well done on that because um, that's really thinking out of the box, basically just using yourself and putting yourself out there and thinking, you know, you know where they're heading and you want to help them to prevent that. That's, yeah. that's really, really cool. Well, I think that's all my questions for you, but I do have one little, um, I always do this at the end of each and every interview. If you have any advice for somebody that wants to start a business or they're thinking about it, or they already have a business, but they're struggling, what is that piece of advice that you would give somebody if they just have not taken the right step towards, you know, creating a good business for themselves? Mm, okay. Um, don't overthink it. Just try to make money first. I like it. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, you don't need more than that. Just, just start. Just start somewhere. That's all it is, right? Yeah. Get your first client, then get your second. I mean, the, the, what I see is, and also that's what I, done, what I did when I started doing my first business. Like, you don't have to have a fancy website. A, you, know, you don't have to register a company to your name. You don't have to quit your job. Don't do any of those, those things. Just think about what is it that I can give to people? What's the service? What's the value? And then start talking to them. And then after a while, you'll figure out how to sell that to people. And then once you get your first client, the second client, the, the fourth client, once you're making probably about two, three times as much as your nine to five job, that's when you can actually leave the job. In the meantime, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. Yes. Um, oh, yes. But then, then you don't have to, to worry about the lowest part of your Maslow pyramid. Well, there you go. And that's, that's great advice. And that's exactly what I tell my students. Forget about sales funnels. First focus on who you want to serve and what's their problem. So yes, there you go. It's perfect advice. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate your time. This was really refreshing. Uh, you definitely brought a new spin to, to the audience. And you know, my podcast is all about focus and things like that. So I appreciate this. Where can people reach you for your coaching services? You know, do you have any links? Obviously, we'll drop them in the bottom. But what is the type of offers that you can offer people? Do you offer coaching at the moment for people as well? Yes. So the way, the way my business works is that 
um, you can reach me at uh, www.resilienceclub.net. Um, I get a free playbook uh, that basically encompasses my philosophy on what are the things that you should probably stop doing if you're struggling with productivity. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, it's about how to get rid of anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I offer free coaching calls for people uh, that are thinking of actually jumping right into this journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way I work is I offer an education platform alongside with coaching. It's a, it's a hybrid program. Um, mm -hmm. There is a lot of one-on-one -on -one that I do in my work, which makes it a very limited uh, like I, I only have limited availability because I only have limited hours in the day to, to do coaching. Um, and yeah, usually the packages that I offer vary uh, from people to people based on their needs and based on where they are at with their journey. But that's exactly why I do the, the, the first three, what I call them clarity calls. Yes. So if, if you're interested, uh, then what you need to do is just go on my website and get the productivity playbook, get your head around all the things that are in there. And if you want to jump right into seeing if, if what I do is for you, then, mm -hmm. then we can just jump on a call and see if that's, that's the case. Yeah. And I just have to say that I had one of these calls with David last week and it was amazing. So, um, you know, I would highly recommend him as a coach. So there you guys go. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Joy. You must have a great day. I'm going into the evening, you in the daytime. So I'll talk again soon. Talk soon, Joy. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.